You're listening to Casey Forum with Kathy Quinn. Public affairs with an entertaining spin. Hey, everybody. This is Kathy Quinn, as you heard from Fox 4. And uh, this is my, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, number eight podcast. Very excited about it. It's public affairs with an entertaining spin. And we get to find out about all sorts of organizations like Team Fidelis and how the community can help veterans out there. Also, we're going to talk to Ashley Davis, a wonderful singer based in Lawrence, been all over the world. Her music is so um, inspirational, emotional. It's unique. So we're going to talk about uh, how COVID has kind of cramped her style with uh, gigs, you know, as all musicians. But I think they've all been able to be really, really creative during this time. So we'll find out about her latest release. First up, and I know folks are tired of hearing about COVID, but we just kind of wanted to get uh, a take on it from Dr. Michael Liston from St. Mary's Medical Center. Kind of want to get his take on uh, the latest with COVID-19. Let's talk about the update with, with uh, COVID right now. What's it looking like? Okay. Uh, first, uh, I'm Dr. Michael Liston, Chief Medical Officer here at St. Mary's Medical Center. Um, there's been a lot of questions in the community about what's going on with the COVID virus. I think many people are aware that we're sort of on a second wave here starting in the last several weeks. The second wave actually is a lot more significant than the first wave back in March was. Uh, and at this point, the wave is starting to affect the bed availability in the hospitals in the community. I happen to be lucky enough to be on a call with the local CMOs weekly in the community. We discuss various things like PPE availability, medication availability, and more recently, bed availability. And specifically, that comes down to staff bed availability. I think the largest shortage we're finding is in having the nurses, uh, respiratory therapists, and other care providers available to uh, oversee patients in the hospital. So it's affecting not only our ability to see the number of COVID patients that we have, but also could possibly impact our ability to take care of our routine patients that we're used to seeing this time of year. So are we saying that there's a shortage in staff or are they sick? Or I know the schools are having issues with sub teachers that are subbing because the regular teachers are sick. Is that the case or is it just too many people? Right. So this, the, the shortage is really multifactorial and you've hit on one of the big issues. Not only are we seeing a lot of patients and we have a lot of beds filled with COVID patients, we have staff as well that are out because of the COVID virus. I think the primary reason we're seeing such a bed shortage is that there's just a volume of patients coming into the hospital now who are COVID positive and requiring significant care such as uh, supplemental oxygen and IV medications that uh, we normally don't see this time of year. We don't have surges like this with the flu except for the months in the winter time that we're used to. What should people do? You know, I, I have a friend who's a reporter who had no symptoms whatsoever. And as part of a story, she went and got tested and they said, you've got it. I mean, it, how do you know when to go get the test? So I think with the surge the way it is, we can assume that there's a number of people out there in the community who are asymptomatic, who could be carriers of the virus. What we need to do from the time this, this came about in March on into the future is continue to wear face masks, to practice social distancing, to try to avoid large crowds, to engage in frequent hand washing, which we know is a good thing to do anyway. So there's a lot of these common sense things we've learned along the way. If you do test positive, 
then you have to quarantine for a while. Now, that's a, a kind of a sticky issue. If you're not acutely ill, uh, but you are testing positive, you may or may not be shedding the virus. So I think you need to be fairly careful around the time of that, that positive test. I think you need to limit your contact with people. And again, as I said, just practice the common sense things we already know. How about the people in your bubble? The people in my bubble, meaning, oh, in your home or your mm -hmm. family? Mm -hmm. You probably haven't been wearing a mask at home with the people in your bubble. I don't think that needs to change per se. I would say that the people in your bubble need to have a heightened sense of, of uh, awareness regarding any symptoms they may have. They should consider being tested. Uh, I did talk to an emergency room colleague of mine recently and asked him, what should we be doing with people who have symptoms, who have a COVID exposure, who we think more than likely has COVID? And he said, the most reasonable thing to do is stay at home, get well, and quarantine. Uh, it's not uh, maybe even necessary to be testing, although the numbers do help us gauge the extent of the illness. For the individual, it's really about staying at home, taking care of yourself. If you do start to get short of breath or significantly ill, then you go visit your emergency room, and that's where we would consider bringing you into the hospital. Anything else you want people to know? Everything is, is brilliant, what you've said. Um, it kind of explains it a little bit better. What Anything people have a misconception about the virus that you want to kind of say, uh-uh? Well, I think one of the big problems with misconceptions about the virus is we as providers have continued to learn along the way about this virus. And so our messages have sometimes gotten a little mixed. Our rules have sometimes changed. You may have rules on one side of the state line that don't apply to the other state line. Mm -hmm. We have a new rule now that after 10 o'clock, certain things change. I think uh, it, it's been confusing for the public to be kind of thrown different instructions here and there. I think what I would go back to is stick to the basics. Face masks work, we know that. Okay. Hand washing works, we know that. Social distancing works, we know that. I guess beyond that, I would say to the public, I, I would reiterate this is not the flu that we're seeing. The flu is a November through March phenomenon. This uh, COVID virus hit the scene back in January. Here we are in November getting ready for a new year. The virus is not going anywhere. We're all very much looking forward to a potential vaccination to help shorten the course of this virus in the United States, but it's still out there. Its uh, numbers are surging here. Uh, and what we want to avoid is a scene like they had in New York City or in Northern Italy where the hospitals were completely overwhelmed with very sick people to the point where they really couldn't do each individual patient justice. So I would say to the public, Let's blunt the, the curve here. Let's practice the, the things we know to do and hope for the best. Awesome, doctor. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you so much. Hang on, there's more on the way with Kathy Quinn and Casey Forum. I'm so excited that uh, we're going to be able to talk to Ashley Davis right now, uh, one of my favorite uh, singers, musicians, and uh, my gosh, Ashley, you're on my podcast. I've only been doing this. This is my eighth podcast, so I'm very excited that you're going to be a guest on the show today. 
I am excited to be with you today, Kathy. I've missed you. I know, I know. Speaking of missed you, oh my gosh, what are musicians like yourself doing? How are you able to get, uh, for instance, your new, your, your latest release is going to be out, but what do you do with it now? Well, it's tough. You know, for the, for the first five months of the pandemic, when we were all pretty locked down, that's when we were writing it, creating it, recording it, and it kept us really, really focused. And then we released it, what was supposed to be during Casey Irish Fest weekend. Mm. You know, we ended up having to release it basically kind of online. And so we haven't been able to do a whole lot, except, you know, we make sort of socially distanced videos that we put up to show kind of how the the album came together. I had everybody film themselves during that time. So we have kind of a cool footprint of what we were doing during that time and how we did it. And But we have a show coming up uh, where we, we're actually coming together in person. I do a, a solstice, a winter solstice Christmas show every year at the University of Kansas Lead Center. Mm-hmm. And it's become kind of a big community thing. This is our 10th anniversary doing it. Lunas has been there with me a couple times and just various colleagues, you know, have come through and played the show with me, and this year was supposed to be a big one, like we're going to do three nights of it and a matinee, and obviously we can't do that, so the boys are all flying in, my band, um, and we're going to do it from the big stage, and it's going to be a multi-camera shoot, and it's going to be broadcast around the world. Um, You can just buy a ticket for a link, and then you'll have it for a few days, so you can watch it kind of at your leisure, or you can watch it live as we're going and comment. Um, so the Lead Center put together this, this you know, virtual concert, essentially, for us. But unlike a lot of the virtual concerts that you see, we're actually all going to be together on stage uh, doing it live. So that'll be fun. Get, get to see all their sweet faces for a little bit, you know. <laughs> Who's in the band? Well, Colin Farrell, one of your faves. Mm-hmm. And uh, Will McMorrin, who I don't know if you've met or not. And Dave Curley. Dave Curley, okay. And so where are you based, Ashley? I'm in Lawrence, Kansas. Okay, so you're in Lawrence, but I mean, it's like you're all over. You're Scotland, Ireland. I mean, you're... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in New York a lot. Uh, That's where I lived before here. Um, And uh, so I usually... I'm usually gone about two weeks out of every month, to be honest, Mm -hmm. from traveling. Because I also have a publishing deal, a writing deal. So I go to Nashville to write a lot. And that was my first home after I left home was I, I went to college in Nashville and then worked there as a songwriter before I wow. moved to Ireland to do my master's over there. And then I moved to Vegas and I was in Lord of the Dance there. And then I moved to New York. So I've got a bunch of homes sort of everywhere now. Um, but my base is Lawrence. It certainly has become even more so since COVID. Gosh. You know, I had to learn to really work out of here and not travel and so I miss I miss moving and being on the road. I certainly do. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm just trying to to kind of study up on all the things that I wouldn't normally have time to, you know, while it, I'm stationary for a bit. You know, it, it is funny because these musicians that get kind of antsy, like uh, racehorses, they want to get out there. And, and it's just like, ugh, what do we do now? But I think everybody's been so creative. And I think there's been a lot of those creative juices flowing. I know on behalf of some of the members of my family, it's like, man, these songs have been coming out because they've been able to have more emotions, sit down, uh, think about it. Do you think that's what kind of happened with you? I, you know, I'm, I'm a, the type of writer that has to set aside time and sit down and really write. I mean, I'll feel a song, you know, churning in me and, and I'll sort of know when it's time to sit down and let it kind of flow through my arm to my hand to the pencil, you know, and, mm-hmm. and let it go. 
but I am a, a fairly particular kind of assignment writer. I think that I'm the type of person also who sort of collects emotions during a time, and then they come out months later, maybe even like a year later, you know, because it's sort of like I'm just getting through the situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then later on, I just, like even the album, looking back on that, I'm like, I have no clue how I did that. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it just seems like a blur to me. And I had like 18 musicians, you know, from everywhere and just crazy amount of tracks and work and 14, you know, in total that we wrote and put together with multi, multi, like instrument arrangements. And I just look back on that. I'm like, how do, on earth did I do that? And I did it all from my bedroom closet. Like I had to set up a recording studio in my closet and learn all this technology really fast too. And Colin was my mentor. So he got a lot of phone calls. He says that he blames me for all the gray hair now. that's on his head. (laughs) And of course, Colin Farrell, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, fiddler. I mean, uh, he's just fabulous. He's with the elders for a while and a good friend of all of ours. Just love him. Um, He's been so creative as well. And you, you know, what, what a, Better per- you couldn't have a better person as a mentor. So, Ashley, how did you get involved in music in the beginning? Let's go back to the beginning. Um, I always I always could sing, you know, even from a really young age. And then kind of around junior high, around 12 or so, I realized that, like, well, my parents, like, my choir teacher went to my parents, and, and she said, have you ever had have you ever had her really sing for you guys? And they were like, no. And they're like, sit her down and make her sing. And I was really into, like, Linda Ronstadt at the time because my dad loved her. And so I was like, whenever they weren't at home, I was, like, belting out her and, like, Patsy Cline and stuff. So one day they asked me to do it, and they were sort of, like, blown away because I had that really big voice for a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, and real country kind of powerhouse voice. And so they just, I just started sitting in at about age 13 or so with, uh, country bands around the region, and they would just let me come up for a couple songs, and I would sit there all night, Kathy, and wait for that one invite for a song, <laughs> like in honky tonks and bars and the old Opry's that they used to have everywhere in small towns, and I would go sing at those. And so, I really grew up singing like a lot of the country, contemporary country, but also like bluegrass and old time because that was very prevalent in Lawrence. There's a big scene for that here, and then I moved to Nashville at 18 thinking that that was kind of the industry I was going to go into. And then when I started writing my own music, I really wrote way more in a in a Celtic style, if you will, kind of an old hmm. ballad style. And I thought, huh. So I started listening to some of the females from that genre, like Moya Brennan and people like that. And and I was like, wow. My, and my, my phrasing really suits this really well, too. And so I just dove deep into that area, that genre, and started to write a lot of music and and what's been cool is I've gotten older is I've blended the two styles together the country and you know the, the Irish side of it and this album definitely when the stars went out has sort of the most of that country influence in it significantly you know so that's kind of my my short background story <laughs> and then and the name of the album it's called When the Stars Went Out okay When the Stars Went Out because I want everybody to know where they can can get it where can they purchase it the best way to do is to go to my website, ashleydavisband.com, and then there's various options for you. You can download off of iTunes, or you can go to my Bandcamp page, and there's uh, vinyl there, there's CDs there. And that's just the best way, because like, CD Baby and places like that are so backed up right now because of COVID. But if you go to my website, then it'll be me handling things. Uh, but you can also do an, you know, an immediate download off of that also. 
why do you continue to do this? It's obviously it's your passion, it's your love. You know, I've, I've had a lot of time to think about that, <laughs> and I, I I realize that that you know, music is is more of a it's more of a ministry to me than I would say something that I do for myself. You know, you'll hear a lot of musicians say, "Oh, if I couldn't play music, then I wouldn't even want to exist." And really, I'm not the type of person who's, who's walks around the house singing. I never sing, you know, like to myself. Uh, you know, I sing like when I'm practicing or if I'm on stage. And I really, I, I found that I'm in music to help others move to a different place, mm-hmm. to help them heal, to help people move to, you know, to transcend from where they are. And that that is really my calling within music. And that it's it's actually kind of a projection out instead of a, you know, reflection in for me. And I've really realized that in the last six months or so as I'm doing this. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but last year I, I went to Thailand for a month and and I did um, a really intense course in Reiki training mm-hmm. and energy work and, and, and working on healing, you know, through just essentially the energies in my body. And, and so it's been really cool over the last year to reflect on how those two things sort of coexist within each other with me. And how to continue to spread that, you know, and help people, because that, that's essentially why I'm fairly certain I was put on the earth. So, <laughs> mm. what, what do you want people then to take from this new album? What do you want them to, to be able to, to feel what you felt making it? I think that the most heartwarming thing that I continually have been hearing that people have been writing to me saying is that it was a real release for them that they cried a lot. You know, when they or it made them think of their father who had mm. passed, or somebody who had. But it it's it opened people up, and that is what I want to do because I think right now we're all kind of huddled in various types of sadness and fear, mm-hmm. and you know, a, a lot of people I know have just sort of held their breath for the past eight months or so, and then there's people who have just you know continued to go out, but then they have their own fears that are sort of you know lying deep beneath and and so i think that this album is just sort of a release for people when they sit and listen to it and let it let it wash over them and that's what i want it to be for them i want it to be a a release and and a, a just a beautiful thing that musicians came together to somehow became a really cohesive piece of work even though we were scattered all over and our veterans doing it but i think what you'll hear there is is people who were loving having something to center themselves around and then the writing you know it's mainly my writing with various co-writers on there but me having to really dig into a a deeper place of myself because i often write on experience and observation of other people and so i was really kind of collecting stories and listening to people talk you know whether it was over zooms or Mm -hmm. phone chats about their struggles and things like that. And so I think I was internalizing that, but also just having to reach deeper into my own past and pull out stuff and, and lay it out for the public <laughs> and and move people along, you know. So I would say that, 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 you know, I just wanted to open them up and to kind of give them a release from the, what we've all been feeling lately. Really crazy, crazy, crazy times, but uh, very creative for a lot of you folks. We're so excited. Can't wait. And we're going to end the uh, podcast with one of your songs. Can you set it up for us? 
yeah, this is Davy Jones, and I chose Davy Jones because it was the first one that the band put together in isolation. Uh, the song was given to me by two wonderful girls, Kathy and Maggie McDonald, musicians from Nova Scotia, and they said, we really think you should sing this. They gave it to me about a year ago, and when it came time to put the album together, I pulled it out, and I said, what do you think of this, boys? And they really loved the song, so... Uh, that was the first, that was kind of our blueprint for the rest of the album. So that's why it's track number one on the album, and it's one of my favorites. All right. Ashley Davis, we love you. Can't wait to see you in person. Love you too, Kathy uh, and Ian and everybody. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Yep. Okay. Hang on. There's more on the way with Kathy Quinn and Casey Forum. Welcome back to the podcast, Casey Form with Kathy Quinn. We're going to be talking about Team Fidelis, and uh, right now they could use your help. All right, so Daniel started Team Fidelis about six years ago. Yeah, so uh, I was um, medically discharged from the Marine Corps for post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and I struggled with some suicidal ideation of my own mm-hmm. and, you know, had some mental health issues. And what I did find out is the more that I went through those and I was coming out of that, when I talked to my brothers and sisters, I felt better, and they felt better, and I realized that that was my calling, and really just kind of blossomed from there. So when you talk about your brothers and sisters, for folks out there, it's a camaraderie, you know, being in the service, serving your country, uh, fighting for our freedom, just being there. So this is your brother and sister, you know, who have all served with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's those, it's those uh, individuals who have served. The military has a very... Um, different connections to each other because we all go through the same thing, whether, you know, we're wearing an Air Force uniform, we're wearing a Marine Corps uniform, the military culture itself is the same. And so you just have this instant bond with people you don't know that you never met before that might be 80 years old or might just have gotten in at 21. It's all the same still. Now talk about your service. So I spent 10 years in the Marine Corps. I was a combat engineer. Uh, So we blew things up. Uh, and so I was part of a minefield um, breach team during Operation Desert Storm. So it was our responsibility to make a hole in the minefield so that we could go liberate Kuwait. Oh, my gosh. What a stressful time. Uh, it was very stressful. I, you know, and certain things stick out with you. Uh, I was young at that time. Obviously, I had just joined the Marine Corps. And the night before we left, my company commander, he stood up in front of all of us. He pulled out a K-bar knife, so it's a big, it's a Marine Corps knife. He pointed at the knife, and he said, this is the Marine Corps. And then he pointed at the very tip. He goes, this is you. Go write your last letters home. Uh, really? Oh yeah, my. so at 19, at 19 years old, I'm writing a letter to my mom telling her, you know, this is comforting her, letting her know this is what I wanted to do. This is where I'm at, supposed to be at. And then writing to, you know, my you know, seven-year-old brother that you're now the man of the house if I don't come home and you got to take care of mom. And thank goodness you didn't have to hand that letter in, huh? Absolutely. Thank, I was surrounded by a lot of good Marines. Made sure we all got home together. Oh, that's wonderful. All right. So coming back, how common is it for people to come home and, and have PTSD? It's actually rather common, um, you know, and just, and really, you know, whether it's PTSD or they have a TBI or, the readjustment alone 
from a military lifestyle to the civilian lifestyle is a hard it's a hard switch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you sp- you spend three year three months in boot camp, right, teaching you to be a warrior. Then you go to your school, and then you spend the next four years of your life being this warrior. And then you get you do get two weeks of transition in your home, and you're like, okay, thanks for the last four years that we just drilled it into you to be a mm-hmm. to be a marine. Now you got two weeks, and you're going to be a civilian. So good luck. Ah, oh, so this uh, team Fidelis came out of your experience thinking, all right, I got to help these people because I feel better helping them, but you know what they're going through, you know, and that's why you wanted to do this. So kind of explain what Team Fidelis does. So what we do is we prevent suicide among service members, veterans, and their family. And we do that by raising awareness about suicide, that we lose 20 veterans to suicide uh, every day. Mm. And we, we kind of let people know, here's how you can help. we provide a bridge of hope. So, you know, we're that connection to I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. Well, you know what? I've been there. I've done that. Let me show you how we, how you can walk through this journey. And then the last piece is that camaraderie, because when you come back uh, to, you know, the civilian world and you come back to Kansas city, that bond isn't the same with the people that you meet now because you don't have that shared history or that shared background. Mm-hmm. So your motto, team Fidelis's motto, yeah, so Team Fidelis means, uh, so Fidelis is Latin for faithful, and it's part of the Marine Corps model, Semper Fidelis, meaning always faithful. And so when we started this organization, um, Fidelis, we, we just, it made sense. They were going to be faithful to those who have served and that we're going to always be there for them. Ah. So the other day when we were doing our live shot, you were putting together some fabulous packets for these folks. Kind of explain what goes into these packets and how you're able to fund these. Sure. So that what we have is what we call our mental health impact kits. And we deliver these normally to hospitalized veterans because when you're in the hospital, you're alone, you're struggling. And we include things that will help them and maybe give them some coping uh, ideals and some resources. So there's a journal inside there. There's a coloring book with coloring pencils, a Sudoku or a crossword, um, a stress ball, uh, and then contact information from us. And then most importantly, there's actually a handwritten letter from a member of the community you know, just saying, hey, keep up the good work or whatever inspirational thing that they want to say to that person. And that really, I think, has been the biggest impact on our veterans because showing that somebody actually cares. I think so. You are 100% volunteer. Talk about who's volunteering. I know your daughter helps out. Yeah, so it's really the community at large. So we have other veterans uh, who, who work on our leadership team. We have civilians. We, we take everybody because it's about you know, the community, and we want to reintegrate these veterans back into the community so everybody can come out and volunteer. Everybody in our organization is a volunteer for me on down, so no one gets a paycheck. So all the money really goes back to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have no overhead or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's an amazing uh, kind of organization in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, so these simple packets, these mental health packets, these mental, um, they help the folks um, what, with anxiety? Tell us about that. Yeah, so, you know, obviously I had spent time in the hospital. Actually, when I was, you know, I spent a couple of months when I was being uh, medically discharged in the hospital. And you get bored, and, you know, it's a hospital setting. And, you know, if you really become, if you're there too long, you become institutionalized. So this is a, a way for you, like, hey, here's something to do to keep your mind off of being in a hospital because it's a kind of a, just a routine, mm-hmm. you know? And so... Uh, it gives them a, a break from that, and then also it connects them to us 
So when they're out of the hospital and they're feeling better and they're like, I don't know what to do now, we're that warm handoff from the hospital to say, hey, come with us. We're going to go do some stuff. You want to come out? Let's go do this. And then you're there to kind of help them pick up the pieces. Absolutely. So, you know, especially with a lot of our guys who, and gals who have substance abuse uh, disorders. So, you know, I actually took um, one of our veterans uh, who, who's having issues. Uh, we went out to the Kansas Speedway, and we actually got him uh, on the on the road, and they were, took off the um, the nuts off of the, the lug nuts off of the tire, and they handed it to him, and they were hot. And he just steered up, and he looked at me, and I said, this is what happens when you're sober. This is the life that you can live. And he was like, oh, my God, and he's been clean ever since. <gasps> oh, my gosh, that's fabulous. Fabulous. Okay, so if people want to get a hold of your organization, what's the best way? Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. But probably the best is teamfidelis.org. You can go out there. We have a, You can sign up to be a part of the team. Again, it doesn't cost anything to be a part of the team. Uh, you can be a civilian, any era uh, veteran, mm-hmm. and um, just come out to whatever events we're doing and be part of it. And, Daniel, why do this? I mean, you could be spending your time doing other things. Why? You know, I think it's for me to, it's my calling and it's me to give back to my brothers and sisters because I don't, I struggled a lot and I don't want anybody to have to go through those struggles trying to find their way. Mm-hmm. And if I can alleviate that, man, it, it, I, I know in my heart it makes such an impact when someone can look at you and talk to you and be like, oh, you're, you're feeling this way and you're doing this and you, and you're like, I'm not alone. Like, you're not alone. Aww. And not being alone is amazing. You're on part of the team, Team Fidelis. Daniel Brazil, thank you so very, very much. And thank you to everybody out there who is listening. Podcast number eight in the can. Kathy Quinn here. Got to thank my executive producer, Katie Connors, associate producer, Andrina Byrne, the elders allowing us to use their music, and our big voice, Doug Medlock. And of course, uh, KQKC, Broadcasting Music and Educational Foundation, who help us also, and Fox 4. And as I always do, I like to end the podcast with the song. And this time we're going to have Ashley Davis. It's Davy Jones. Go out there and, and get her CD. It's absolutely beautiful. Until next time, see ya.
Oh 